0: Hey, hey, everybody. Episode number 109. It's my third time trying this. <laughs> it was it was one of those deals. So it was actually like last night as I left you off with 108. And I just kind of gave a summary of the last few days in 108. Uh, which, by the way, hopefully everybody that's uh, listened to that uh, took, a, took a moment just to throw a little thought and prayer out there for uh, my new friend Robin, who is fighting her case of guillain as we speak and uh, the one of the uh, local catastrophic events that happened here with the tornado that wiped out one of our local coal mines um some thoughts and prayers for all the people that are involved with that out there and, and uh and that said that's actually looking good there's a lot of damages and stuff out there but the as far as the people themselves go people are looking pretty good so so, uh, it is a blessing and obviously the, 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 thoughts and prayers definitely help. So as along with, uh, Robin's case, it's always nice to have those thoughts and prayers out there and, uh, just to know that you, uh, you have an army behind you. So, so that's, uh, that's where I left you off with 108, And then I got into it because I was talking about how I was kid free and I was like, totally like immune to uh, any kind of distractions there just wasn't nothing here the only thing that was here was the cats (laughs) And, and uh they 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 know better but no no i just i didn't have anything going on here and i was like sitting here and i was wanting to do the next episode to get back into my story back when it needed to be done or when i needed to pick it up and uh um man everything happened so i got a phone call that was rather important that I had to take about 10 minutes into the first try. And then the second try, I was about 20 minutes in him I heard my dad's four-wheeler at 1130 at night. <laughs> I heard my dad's four-wheeler come ripping into the driveway. And I'm like, what in the heck? So I thought it was some kind of an emergency or something. And he was actually just in like, I don't know, 60, 61 years old. And he's, uh, he must be just like, feeling froggy or something late at night (laughs) because he came in the house and he was just in a bullshit mood (laughs) so but that's kind of that's where that one went but after i got done talking to him i was like trying to record and i was i was yawning about every 30 seconds and i was just like all right it's time to hang it up but so i hung it up and I, i had a few minutes here this morning to kind of pick this back up and do 109 but but uh but no i uh i i i like to do my episodes and if you've listened to the past i like to do my episodes in a fluent 30 minutes of content and the reason i don't like splicing i hate splicing i like the practice of making a fluent 30 minutes of content so like if i can't talk for 30 minutes and make 30 minutes 30 minutes like I, I'm that guy that wants to get out there and go speaking to everybody and, and make a big deal out of my speaking, the speaking side of all of my stuff. And I've got huge plans that are just kind of slowly tying together. Hopefully they all work, but, but yeah, I mean, this is good practice. My podcast is great practice for this. And, uh, and hopefully like when I start doing bigger things, uh, as far as addressing all this stuff to people, Hopefully, at, uh, by that time, I have everybody's attention and everybody will actually want to come and listen to me talk and ramble on, <laughs> so, but no, I uh, I uh, I really like being able to put everything down in a, in a in fluent content, and that's why I do that, but, so I had a few minutes and I figured I'd just stop and and uh, take that few minutes to pick up 109, as I'd planned to do, because I do want to get on with my story, but. But something came up. I was looking through my messages and something came up. And I actually, it was kind of weird because I had a couple messages about it in my Anchor and podcast, uh, the system that I use for doing my podcast here. I had a couple messages, like some Q&A type things in there about this. And I've had some of these in the past. And I don't talk a whole lot about this um, because there's a lot developing with it. And I actually have a plan. I've been in contact with with a few different doctors that I would love to put together, like at least an hour of content uh, to kind of tie all this together. And I don't want to say too much about it because I want to wait until until I uh, get to that. But there has been a question about this. And the question that pops up, and it popped up on my Facebook this morning too, there was a guy that actually commented on my "Please Pray for uh, Robin" post, and uh, and I, and I was just like, okay, maybe I will address this for just a second, and and just kind of get it. But there has been a lot of discovery lately that the and a lot of support. There's been discovery in the past. There there has been a discovery in the past about this, and now they're really working towards all of the supportive information and it's making it easier now that we have the technology to really trace some of this stuff out but there's a common villain and i like the way they put that that's that's actually out of some research material but there's a common villain in a lot of autoimmune diseases okay and lupus and ms and 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 we're talking about guillain in my in my story, and and uh, CIDP, the chronic element of Guillambre, and uh, the common villain is the Epstein Barr virus, okay? Um, EBV, and so a lot of people are like Epstein, what? <laughs> so, but uh, but no, the Epstein Barr virus is a common thing that we see in and in, in a lot of cases now here's where it's got to be kind of narrowed down a little bit but almost every person in the world at some point in their life will contract the Epstein-Barr bar virus it's inevitable that's going to happen most likely okay and something that everybody sees and the Epstein-Barr virus is 100% the 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 host of this show is the uh, infection mononucleus okay uh, We know that word mononucleus because about everybody I know at some point in their life has, and up till up, even before my age and uh, just about 40 years old um, a common one back when we were teenagers in our early 20s and stuff was mono okay the kissing disease. And I, I have a lot of listeners that were probably just like, "Are you really saying that the kissing disease, the kissing disease, has something to do with autoimmune diseases?" And yes, it actually does. It's it's a common uh, it's a common thing, um, and it's not the direct kissing disease that I'm that I'm talking about. It's the root, okay, the Epstein-Barr virus, and which is technically. Um, and I'm gonna lose everybody here, but technically, uh the the herpes virus. Herpes. Okay, so like this is this is all stuff that they're researching very deep. Okay, and they they uh, they've got a good beat on this. And I actually so I was just talking to to my old case manager because I remember one of the doctors that used to come in and the guy is the guy is awesome and i I actually i'm trying to put together something where i can interview him and uh and talk about this a little more because he used to come into my room at elkhorn at about six o'clock in the morning he was always there at a ridiculously early time (laughs) but he'd come in there and i'd wake up and i looked forward to just waking up long enough to talk with the guy for 10 minutes you know because Every time he'd come in there, I'd learn something new. And something that we talked a lot about was the Epstein-Barr virus. Okay, and the Epstein-Barr virus, now, now that we know, like, okay, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's uh, saliva, you know, pass through saliva and, and, and body fluids. Okay, but also, you know, your blood and stuff is transporting this. And it's, it's something that, you know, when your immune system triggers to fight this infection, all of this ties together and, and I think there's I think there's a lot there that uh, I personally feel like if they can get a bead on some way to control and prevent the Epstein-Barr uh, virus so stop kissing people <laughs> no but if they could really if realistically if we can come up with a way to uh, take a preventative action on the Epstein-Barr virus I personally feel like the amount of Guillain-Barre cases will cut themselves at least in half Like I just I feel like there's enough supportive um, information there that says that there's there's a lot of a lot of relation into that and uh it is definitely something that i've done a lot of research on over the last few years trying to trying to just follow and like i said i haven't and i'm giving you guys just the very very surface of it And i'm trying not to say too much about it without knowing all of the solid uh ties with it but i did want to bring it up because i keep getting asked about it and there is there is a a, a very positive uh, support that, that is a, a is a huge involvement with uh, con- the uh, contraction of Guillain-Barré syndrome, and uh, and there's a lot of supportive information out there. And I, I want to say it's the Cincinnati Children's Hospital. There's actually a really uh, well-known doctor down there that has done a lot of research on the involvement of the. Um, infectious mononucleus and uh, um, Epstein Barr virus uh, relations to the contraction of autoimmune diseases. And uh, he's done a lot of work and he's done a lot of work with, with other doctors all over the place. Um, but he he really summarizes it really well. And it's, those are guys that I would love to chat with just to make a good full-on documentary about where the link would come in with that into uh, a Guillain-Barre syndrome and give everybody kind of a real clear understanding because I know I'd probably just confuse so many people but but it is uh if you get bored uh look it up there's a lot of really good articles about it and it's stuff that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot um it just kind of comes out I have (laughs) every so often dealing with all of the uh, Guillain-Barre patients and people uh, that, that have an interest in learning about this disease, every so often, I'll have a handful of people that'll ask, so what's the deal with the Epstein-Barr virus? And uh, they're they're definitely narrowing that all down. And like I said, now that there's a lot of advances in, in the research side of things, um, I think we're going to see a lot develop out of that I think that could be the next step to uh, really taking some preventative action on some of these diseases and and I'm, I'm just like chomping at the bit wanting to really go off on this but I could burn up a couple episodes <laughs> talking about this and and uh, until the research and stuff like really uh, <clears throat> until that research is real clear and I can lay it out in a real easy to understand format excuse me I uh yeah I'm gonna leave you guys hanging with that so they but it is it's very interesting if you get time just read up on Epstein-Barr virus uh, in relation to autoimmune diseases and uh watch some videos and stuff there's some really good videos out there I've been kind of keeping track of that's came up over the last few years and uh I'm kind of watching it unfold. Um, but it's definitely to answer everybody's questions that sent me questions. It's definitely something that I am not, not forgetting about. I'm just simply sitting on it for a minute to see what, what all comes up. Cause I have a feeling there's going to be some really big developments with that. And, and at that point, that's when I would really love to just to open that can up. But, but that's kind of where that is. And I wanted to address that because some people had asked about it. So I figured I better do my stuff and answer that question. Epstein Barr definitely has a relation there. It's definitely uh, definitely relevant. And um, You know, a lot of people will get the Epstein Barr virus. Uh, most people will get the Epstein Barr virus. And most of the most people that sounds weird most of the most people will have that epstein bar virus sitting in their body and they'll never even know it it's crazy it's a crazy crazy virus and uh and the way it attaches itself after being transferred uh transported around the body the the peripheral systems um which is a common word we hear in in uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome um, in the connection with the uh, with the immune system I mean it, it clearly makes sense so um, it is definitely definitely a uh, I think it's definitely a root to all of this um, it just doesn't get talked about a whole lot and, and uh, that's why I'm just kind of waiting to see what comes out of it and, sitting back and we'll educate a little bit on that and I'm gonna to try to educate a little more on that as we go here but, but uh, it can also be real confusing to people trying to understand it that don't understand that much about the body you know and and I'm not saying that you have to be uh, a, an anatomy genius or something to understand it it's not that complicating but some people like to keep it even more simple and right now we're we're kind of focused on the route that I've taken with this, and then we'll we'll tie that in. It's gonna get tied in. So, but anyways, though, I want to get on with this story. I want to get uh get rolling here. So part of the reason we're going back, and, I, and that was another question that I had in my inbox too, was okay, you're out piloting, Shane. How far out from your discharge from the hospital are you that you're out driving around? helping move these giant oversized loads up and down the highway. And answer to that question is, at the point in the story that I'm at right now, we're at about a year post-discharge. You know, we're, I got discharged in March, and this is like the following uh, following spring. And uh, um, we're talking like March and April and, and kind of that, that time frame. So we're a year, a little more. Out and uh, it was it was just about a year out of the hospital that I was stranded up there in uh, North Dakota, which is where I kind of left that story off was getting done with being stranded up there in North Dakota, and uh, kind of the the fear with that experience. So now this this piloting thing, the the whole deal behind piloting, getting out there and, and running a car for Lawrence Horn, the the whole deal with that it wasn't about making a bunch of money or anything because it really wasn't a bunch of money <laughs> I mean it, it did it did uh, generate a little bit to eat on and and stuff and just help out and gain some experience and, but ultimately the most important thing is it was something to do that made me feel productive Okay, and that's something that's kind of a message that I want to put out there with anybody that's fighting a disability of any kind is there's there's two different platforms of, of dealing with a disability okay and, and, and I figured this out because I've lived both platforms and uh, and this is all part of my theory. This is this is part of the way I'm putting it. This isn't coming from some psych or a doctor or something that kind of puts this into my perspective. This is what I've learned and what I've educated myself on as far as living it this is pure experience okay so these two platforms there's two different platforms of of living with a disability there's the the maintaining platform and there's a productive platform okay the maintaining platform is you have a disability and maintenance, maintenance is, is a word that we hear all over the place. This is a, this is a routine. Okay. So your house, when you clean your house and you do the dishes every day and you, uh, you know, once a week you're, you're scrubbing down to the toilet and the bathtub and you're making things Now you're cleaning and, and keeping up your house. That is maintenance. You're maintaining your living situation. Okay, and it's kind of the same thing with living with a disability. We uh, get into routine living with a disability. Now, I know a lot of people that are uh, living with a disability in the routine. They get up in the morning. Maybe they have somebody come over and help them. They get them up. They help get them dressed. They get them into a wheelchair. Or they help them with their transfer. They, you know, they they have breakfast. And then they, they you know what, at 10 o'clock, we got to watch this show. Or... At ten o'clock, I gotta make sure I'm transported down to the local coffee shop to have coffee with the boys, and and uh, we're gonna chat about things that that uh, fire up our <laughs> our nerves and stuff. And uh, you know, there's a routine to the daily lifestyle, and that that daily lifestyle is, in that routine is that's kind of what you're gonna be doing every day, okay, and and, and or generally, you know. So that's the maintenance platform I've discovered with living with a disability. And I've done this, okay, I've done that. The productive platform is all about advancing your life beyond that disability, okay? And that's that's the platform that I really try to encourage a lot of people to get into that are living with a disability is to get into the productive platform of it, okay? It, Having the disability is, is uh, it's there's no uh, degrading uh, levels of that. It's, and and if you're living in the the maintenance platform of your disability, that's that's fine, you know that that's you're doing you and you're still getting up every day and you're you're uh, you're you're maintaining and going with the flow of your disability and. And, and living as it allows you to live. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I definitely don't want anybody to come back thinking, okay, Shane's like being an asshole. He's like telling me that I'm not out living. <laughs> it's definitely not what I'm saying. Okay. And hopefully this is making sense to the way I'm laying that down. So the maintenance side is that routine every day. Same thing over and over. Again. The productive side is... Is taking your disability to into a different direction, and not letting the disability hold you in that one place that you just need to maintain on a daily basis. It's adding little things to it. Now I've had a lot of a lot of people that are uh, wheelchair bound, that that we've we've found things that they enjoy doing, uh, whether it's artwork or um, woodwork. I've got some guys that do woodwork. Um, and, uh, I've got, when I was out piloting, this was me really getting into the, uh, the uh, productive side of my disability platform. I wanted to get out there and I wanted to be productive and it, and in a sense, it's not always about the, like making an income out of it and like lining my pockets with money it's about the the overall feeling of being productive being able to get out there and 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 make something more than what my disability has limited me to that's the productive side that's the productive platform of living with a disability and and i like i said i've got guys that do woodworking and art and, and i've got I've got some people that I actually had gotten into this piloting as well. Um, that they, they literally spend their time traveling, you know, they, and, and it takes them beyond, you know, and, and it's so cool when I get somebody kind of hooked into doing something like that, because they always come back to me and say, you know, man, I was, it was the same thing every day for a long time until you came around and kind of got me, got me started on this, you know, and now I'm, Like, every day I've got something new and exciting happening in my life. And, like, I'm feeling like I'm just... I'm I'm really another part of society, you know? That's the productive side of living with a disability. And that's where I was with this piloting stuff. Now, I was kind of there when I was doing the advertising and whatnot. Because I was making myself more than what I was. Um... But when I got out there and I started driving it, the, the productivity levels just flew off the chart with me. And it was like, boom. And that is the point I was at right now in this story is I reached a point with myself where it was like, holy crap. Like, I can do this. I can do this. And I can do this. And and then I didn't want to stop. <laughs> so what uh, the way I said it was when I when I got in that car and started driving, I never got out of it. And that's no bull. Every time I would get home, I got home from North Dakota, and Lawrence is calling me he's like, Hey, I need a pilot car in Sheridan tomorrow. Um, better pack a couple pairs of clothes because you're going to be gone for a few days and come out to my house and get some travel money and, and uh, go for a drive, you know? So the next trip that I went on and that turned into kind of a regular ride was we were actually moving triple uh, seven haul trucks, which are the big mining dump trucks. But these are the baby ones. They're, I used to actually run these, <laughs> and uh, they're a lot of fun. But they're still a big dump truck. You know, they're still like the size of a house. And, but in this case, they're just a little smaller house. But they're still the size of a house. You know. So, but Kiewit is a very popular company in the united states and a great company these guys are these guys are an awesome awesome company and i think they got some stuff that happens in canada maybe too but anyways they've got a headquarters office up there in sheridan wyoming and they've got mines all over the place so one of the popular runs that i ended up on that was turned into a regular thing was one that i had gotten uh, canceled out of and we went and did something different was to Soda Springs, Idaho. And uh, I was finally doing these. This was the next, uh, the next good thing that I was getting into as far as where Lawrence was sending me. And I think Lawrence ultimately, right off the bat, he was kind of wanting to see what I was capable of as far as was I okay to send out on the road by myself and on these long trips and stuff and quite honestly like i was a little nervous about this stuff at first at first um but this was all like feeding into that whole deal where i'm always talking about testing your limitations testing your limits man like you gotta you gotta figure out and you gotta dip your toes in that water to feel just how warm it is you know and or how cold it is and you're just not gonna know unless you do it and that's what this was all about. This was all about testing those limits and getting out there and seeing what I was capable of. And once I figured out, you know, I can kind of get around a little bit. The the core of this whole thing opened up and it was like, all right, I like I said, I can do this and this and this. And I think Lawrence seen that. And that's why Lawrence was really supportive of... I think he was seeing that it was making a difference in me and it was making me an even better person as far as my conditions. Like I was advancing, I was getting more time trying to walk and and uh, and really exploring what I could do. And it was giving me a lot of energy to keep stepping forward. And so we started these these runs that went over to Soda Springs, Idaho. And it was, it was awesome there would be a couple of us at a time that would go and uh there was a lot of times lawrence would send me all the way on these longer runs like this and uh and i'd be gone for a few days and it was it was just awesome it was awesome to go and have these experiences and and uh, like i said to be around the 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 bigger equipment and the trucks and stuff and being out on the road and kind of having a little bit of power as far as of what we were doing and stuff and and i mean we're out direct and tra- I'm, I'm trying to get out of a wheelchair and i'm out directing traffic and helping these guys move these these uh big loads and and uh it made me feel productive and i think getting that productive feeling is something that that really uh really opens up a lot of the doorways like the doorways might crack themselves open a little bit but once you start feeling productive and the way i was right now it was like something was blowing those doors wide open and inviting me to walk through and that's that's where i was so the trips once we got into going to soda springs and stuff that really amplified all of that energy and i didn't want to stop i started i started uh, running on a regular basis all the dang time i was in that car getting phone calls after phone calls to go and that's all i wanted to do was go so we'll get back into more of that we're running out of time on this episode and uh i'll talk to you in 110 and we'll continue on and and see some of the things that's happening here so god bless you guys thanks for listening